Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in everybody to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented as always by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we've we've got a nice show planned for today. We're going to bring on a guest here in just a few minutes. But the next couple of days, it's going to be fun to kind of break down some of the storylines and things that have come out of the owners' meetings down in Phoenix. Uh, yeah, Fangio and Elway are both there. They go every single year to these these meetings, and they, they start talking shop. They start talking about rule changes around the NFL and those kind of infrastructure changes. But, of course, reporters are sent down there, and we got some more Broncos Nuggets to discuss. They both spoke openly about the draft and the personnel decisions, so it's always going to get those storylines, Chad, between now and the draft to fill that kind of dead space. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. We'll get into some, some business here in just a second, but I thought it was interesting that both Fangio and Elway talked up Bradley Chubb in terms of, you know, yep. being a candidate to take that, that quantum leap forward between year, year one and two. And how exciting is that, though? You know, he was a de- defensive rookie of the year finalist, and you're talking about putting him in a de- better defensive system. The sky really is a limit with Von Miller, and I would not – it wouldn't be extreme to say he, he's a defensive player of the year candidate in 2019 with this coaching staff and this person all around him. It's um, I mean, could you imagine – Fans, just think back to the Chicago Bears defense last year and how just dominant they were. Khalil Mack on one side. They got Leonard Floyd on the other. Imagine that defense with Khalil Mack and Bradley Chubb on one side under Fangio. And that's similar to how it's going to be in Denver with Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. So I agree with you. Even though that that might sound like pie in the sky that Bradley Chubb, who hasn't even made a Pro Bowl yet, could be in the defensive player of the year conversation a year, you know, less than a year from now. I don't think it's too far from the, the realm of the possible. I'm, I agree with you because he put down 12 sacks as a rookie. And I've received a lot of questions, and not so much lately, but at, toward the end of the year, when he didn't make the Pro Bowl, a lot of fans were pissed off because they viewed his body of work similarly to the what, what Von Miller produced as a rookie in 2011. And so I understand that there's kind of a disconnect. How come he didn't get the love from his fellow players and coaches? And part of it is I don't think he there was as much of a groundswell from the fans. This is not me criticizing you fans. This is just the truth. <laughs> because by the time the Pro Bowl becomes part of the conversation, the Broncos were pretty much out of it. And so fan enthusiasm was down. And when you're a team that is not even making the playoffs, it's a lot harder to get names into the Pro Bowl period. You know, a lot of it has to do with name recognition and how well your team is doing. That kind of trickles down to the individual accolades. But another thing, Zach, is he's got to learn, Bradley Chubb, that in the NFL you got to finish strong. And even though he got 12 sacks through the first 13 games, he went weeks 15 through 17 without posting a QB takedown. Well, maybe if he wasn't dropping in coverage so much, maybe he would get to the quarterback more. 
And that's what I'm saying. Even, uh, you know, what was his comp coming out of college? It was Khalil Mack mixed with Von Miller. So you're putting that with Von Miller with a better secondary, a, a pretty good front seven, a front line, and you might add an, an Ed Oliver or Quinn Williams in there. Watch out. With a better coaching staff and Vic Fangio, I really do believe you're going to get a defensive player of the year candidate in Bradley Chubb, a 15-17 sack guy who's going to take that next step from uh, you know great rookie to star household name. Yep. He set the franchise rookie record for sacks, and he is one of only 10 players in NFL history to post 12 or more sacks as a rookie. So it will be interesting to see how much he turns the corner in year two. But we do have a lot to get to today. Uh, But first, a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Really easy to do. Open up the app on your phone while you're listening to the podcast. Find at HuddleUpPod. Click the follow button. It's a great way for you to support the show and also keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. Also, if you haven't done this, take some time, leave a creative review, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We talk to you each and every episode about how important it is in terms of helping the show stay vital and healthy and helping us to grow and reach new listeners. It's a great way that you can contribute to the show by leaving your review and giving us that five-star rating. All right, guys, let's welcome in today's guest. You guys know him and love him as our senior draft analyst at Mile High Huddle. He is Eric Trickle. Follow him on Twitter at Eric Trickle. Trickle, how you doing, brother? Doing good. Glad to be over my health issues for now and just glad to be back in the full swing of things. I was down for a couple weeks because of this and then the combine. and It really hit at the worst time, right at the start of free agency, Mm. that being down and under the weather. So I'm just glad that I'm back and healthy again. So are we. And for fans, he, he uh, you know, you can probably check his Twitter timeline, but he had some kidney stones that he was dealing with. But thankfully, you're through the uh, the worst of that and can focus back on things that make us happy, like the NFL draft and the Denver Broncos and football. There's some uh, some interesting topics that came out of the owners meetings in Phoenix, Arizona. Of course, Elway, Vic Fangio, they fly down for these uh, each and every year. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Eric. L.A. was asked about the number 10 pick overall, of course, which is where the Broncos currently sit in the draft. And this is via uh, Nikki Javala. She says, John Elway was asked if it's harder to move back from number 10 in the draft when the QB class isn't as strong. Elway said, quote, I don't know. We'll find out. There are still some teams that need quarterbacks. We'll look at all those scenarios once we get closer to it, close quote. So he's referencing that there are other teams as if he's outside that bubble of teams that need a quarterback. What's And, and Zach and I have talked a lot about this uh, topic on the show the last couple of weeks. Ever since Flacco was introduced, kind of this feeling like the Broncos are kind of out in terms of going after a quarterback at pick 10. What are your thoughts on that? I think it all depends on who falls there. I do think that if Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins are there, they may not take them, but they definitely have a serious conversation about taking them. I don't think quarterback's completely off the board. The sense I get, though, is that trading down is what they want to do the most. Again, just a gut feeling here is that they don't feel like the board is going to fall the way that they really want it to. A couple other positions like linebacker or even maybe defensive line, a couple top players there not being there for them at 10. So I think that they do really want to trade down. And about Elway's comment about the value being about – trading down being harder when there's no quarterbacks there or it's not as strong of a quarterback class is it is actually harder in a way it's well 
shouldn't say that it's harder. You just don't get the the right same value that you normally get in return when it is a stronger yeah. quarterback class. Yeah. So I think that in a way that may make it harder for Denver to pull the trigger if they're not getting the value that they want. But uh, it's still a long ways out, and I, as I said, I think it all just depends on how the board falls. And I I wouldn't take quarterback completely off the board. I just think that it's more of a uh, on the back burner kind of thing. Eric, after the combine and some of their pro days and their workouts and stuff, what does your quarterback board look like right now? Has it changed since the pre-drive process has played out, and has it changed in terms of the Broncos needing a certain player or not uh, with the draft approaching? It hasn't changed much. My top three are, or top four are the same that it's always been. Haskins, Locke, Murray, Jones, in that order. There's just not that much change there. There's uh, basically, they have shown some stuff through this process, but it's all stuff that you can see on tape. Drew Locke, his inconsistencies have been shown. Kyler Murray, uh, he did not get on my personal grading system. He did get knocked a couple couple points because of him not running the 40 combine or the, the 40 at the combine with his added weight. That is something that I really wanted to see because I do have a feeling that he wouldn't run as fast adding that extra 15, maybe 20 pounds that he wasn't playing with at Oklahoma. The biggest guy who has actually been affected by this is Jarrett Stidham. He has shown so much progression as a quarterback from the senior bowl to the combine to even his pro day that he has been a quick riser he sits as at my number six overall quarterback, but he's just right there behind my number five guy in Brett Rippin. Hmm. So you got you've got Rippin ahead of Stidham, but and it seems like from what we've heard, Eric, that the Broncos like both those guys. That uh, there's some ties there, and if you go back and look at the film on either one of those guys, it's easy to see how a West Coast oriented team like the Broncos could be drawn to either one of those guys. I'm kind of of the opinion, Eric, that. The closer we get to the draft, the more I feel like the Broncos are going to go for an Im- immediate impact type player in round one, a guy who's not going to be holding the clipboard on the sideline in 2019, a guy who can come in, whether it's you know defense, tight end, well, it'll probably be defense, let's face it, and make an impact and then go after a Rippin or a Stidham in round two or three. What round, let me ask you this though, where do you see Rippin going? Where do you see Stidham going as it stands right now? What rounds? I think Stidham would probably crack the second round, probably probably mid-late in the second, and Rippin, I think, some would go somewhere in the third at the earliest. The issue is is that with Rippin is that he just doesn't have a very high ceiling. He hasn't shown this growth over this this draft process that other quarterbacks have, like Stidham. And so it's he he is what he is now is kind of what you're getting. I don't see much room for growth. And I've talked to a few people in the NFL who have a similar view on him. Whereas Stidham is, as I mentioned, he has shown this growth. He has a higher ceiling. He's just not as quite as developed as Rippon is now. So I think that, and what we've seen in the past is teams like to take shots on those guys with the higher ceilings than they do with the more safer picks. So that's why I think that Stidham, even though he's lower on my personal board right now than Rippon, that's why I think that he actually ends up going higher than Rippon in the draft. Now, Eric, when you mentioned a trade down earlier, it kind of intrigued me because I haven't explored that possibility fully yet. What are some scenarios that you would see in terms of a trade down for Denver? Two of the players that I would target would be Devin Bush and a lineman like Dalton Reisner. Would you agree with those players in a trade down a few spots? Or how, how uh, much would the Broncos have to move back to get those players and still come away with the win? I think that if you're looking at Devin Bush, I think you really don't have much room for to trade down. 
I think that if the Cincinnati Bengals or even the Green Bay Packers stay put at 11 and 12, I think that they're going to be threats to take Devin Bush. They both teams can really use that athletic linebacker with that great sideline to sideline speed that Devin Bush brings to you. Right. So if you're looking at him, I think that you've got to pull the trigger at 10. For me personally, that's a little bit rich for Bush. I have more concerns about his coverage ability than others do. He's a great player against the run, but I, on tape, I see some issues with flipping his hips and not being as smooth in transition. And then for Dalton Risner, I think that with the concerns about his length and where exactly teams want to play him, I think that he would probably be there in the late first. So I think that a point that would make me comfortable would probably be trading down somewhere between 20. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And 25, that would make me comfortable taking him with the value that he brings and the versatility despite those other concerns I have about him. But I wouldn't roll out Denver trading down and potentially picking up a tight end. I have heard that they really like TJ Hawkinson. I don't think that he'll be there in a trade down. I think that he'll go a lot earlier than people think a tight end will. But they definitely have tight end targeted early. Being there at the Combine and getting a chance to talk to Reisner, I mean, that dude no matter what team it is, any team that talks to him is just going to come away extremely excited and impressed. You know, whatever their evaluation might be of him on tape, as a passionate, you know, prospective professional going to the next level, I mean, that dude, Zach, you can probably speak to this too. He was very impressive in person. He was just fantastic. Yeah, just his vibe. And, you know, he most guys, you know, for example, at the Combine, there's a They've got podiums set up, and then the name is there already that they replace with each player. And so normally the guy, the players just stand up at the podium and wait for questions. Reisner gets up to the podium and goes, Dalton Reisner, you know, Lissa's school, you know, <laughs> open for questions type thing. And, you know, and then the questions start getting volleyed. But as a Colorado guy, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me to see him end up in Denver. But from what I've heard, he was his, his combine was not impressive, and he went from being – considered kind of a late round one guy to maybe early day two is that is that correct eric his combine was a rough one to watch he wasn't as smooth in the position drills and his athletic testing wasn't it wasn't bad it just wasn't quite where teams expected it to be some of the numbers don't match up with what teams had or projected off the tape and they don't match up with what uh, other numbers came out of at the combine because with each drill athletic for the athletic testing there's other drills that you can use to corroborate the testing. Like I think it's the three cone and the 40 time. Mm -hmm. They typically it's, you want it within two tenths of a second for uh, quicker for the three cone drill than the 40 time that, and if that happens and normally you can get some answers there and things like that. And, but yeah, his, his drills, what concerns me more is the position drills. He just wasn't quite as smooth of a mover as you'd want. And I think that, if anything, it did drop his value a little bit. I would still, as I mentioned earlier, I'd still take him in the top 25, between 20 and 25. Mm. But I would be more hard-pressed to put him at tackle now after looking after how rough he looked. I think that he would be better inside at guard as a result. Speaking of tackle, this is our first chance to talk to you on the podcast since free agency. 
What were your thoughts on the Juwan James signing? Some of the shade that was getting thrown his way from that uh, Benoit or Benoit, whatever, however you pronounce his name, report that came out that, you know, it was a whoopee cushion type move that the Dolphins were laughing at the Broncos. What was your thoughts on the signing? And do you think, you know, the Broncos are still kind of just jumping in on, on that prime point in his career where he's still got some room to grow? I like the deal because of how the Broncos structured it. They structured it in a very smart way that protects them because there are concerns with Juwan James staying healthy. I don't think that he was deserving of a top right tackle contract, but I also understand that the market drives the price. He was the best right tackle on the market, and so, of course, he's going to get overpaid. It's like Nate Solder last year. He got way overpaid because he was the best left tackle on the market. So things like that have a huge effect on it. Denver, they wanted to go and try to get a guy to solidify that. They do believe that he still has room for growth, and they believe Mike Munchak will be a help there. And as for the shade, I don't get I, – I didn't see any of it, so I don't know what was being said. I just know that Miami really has no room to talk to a team that's going to suck for the next 10 years. <laughs> Eric, I'm wondering if you scouted Bryce Callahan when he came out, and I'm wondering what you thought of that move. And also, if the Broncos, in your opinion, do you think they go corner still in the early rounds? And uh, who are some players in those spots that you think uh, could fit in Fangio's scheme? I did watch Bryce Callahan up until just a couple years ago when he was with the Bears and he really had his breakout year. And at that point, it was just intrigue of this guy who I have know nothing about getting all this attention. And I really like him. I do think that he's just kind of stuck in the slot in the NFL, though. And even though he was used a little bit more versatile and with under Fangio, which we'll probably see in Denver, I like his play. I really like the move. I really love the structure of the deal. I had heard that... They had interest there, but they kind of pulled back and focused on finishing up Kareem Jackson. And then potentially, this is just speculation on my part, that they once they saw that he was still on the market after a few days, that they decided we're going to jump back in, that we're going to go get this guy because he knows Fangio's defense and we can still use corner help. Right. And again, the structure, Denver, Denver's cap guru, Mike Sullivan, doesn't get enough credit for how well he structures deals for the Broncos. Every single deal he made or the Broncos made this offseason protects the team, which I absolutely love, despite my issues with Jeff Hireman's deal. It's great structured, but I digress from the point. With Bryce Callahan, I don't think that Denver will go a – and Kareem Jackson, I don't think they'll go corner early, despite that this being a very small cornerback room. Kareem Jackson, 5'10", Harrison Callahan, everybody knows that there's shorter guys. Yeah. Isaac Adams, the tallest, so they kind of lack the height there. But this is such a good, deep class of corners. It kind of lacks the top talent. Greedy Williams, DeAndre Baker, Byron Murphy, those are all guys that are falling down a little bit because they had rough combines or there's concerns about size or length or, in the case of Greedy Williams, effort and attitude. But there's just so many guys that if they that fit the scheme that if they want to add some more size that they can go get it in like the in somewhere day three or even round three. So I don't think it takes it off the board in general. I do think it takes it off early though. What um what were your thoughts on the Hireman, you know, contract aside, and I agree with you by the way on Mike Sullivan, about the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head in terms of his body of work as Elway's kind of cap wizard guy in contracts that I think was questionable was the Case Keenum deal. 
Other than that, I think you can go back and look at all the deals that Elway has made, especially the bigger signings on in, on the free agent market, and you can see how they have they've usually been team friendly. Not too often is he going out there and breaking the bank or setting the market like they did with Jawan James this year. Most of the time, it's team friendly and it protects the team in the in the, in the long term. So I, I agree with you there. I still wonder what the thinking was on Keenum, but as you said, I digress in that department. Hireman. I'm a, Zach's not a big fan of Hireman, which I totally understand. Anyone who's not any sort of believer in Jeff Hireman, I totally get that because overall in terms of his body of work since arriving in Denver as a third-round pick in 2015, he's mostly been a disappointment. But he did enough last year for me, Eric, that especially thinking back to that, that uh, Week 9 game against the Houston Texans, that I'm really excited and intrigued to see where he might be able to go if he can stay healthy. But what were your thoughts on the Broncos choosing to fill that, what was one of the biggest holes going into free agency at tight end by re-signing one of their own? My biggest issue with it, it just isn't so much from Jeff Hireman and his body of work or the injuries, although I don't think he's as good as many make him out to be. I think that he is a solid number three tight end and he's getting paid like a number two tight end. My bigger issue with it is that they wouldn't paid for a tight end. With this year's draft class, it is really well stocked at tight end. And they went out and spent nine million dollars over the next two years on a tight end. I don't I don't see the need for that with how strong this tight end class is. But at the same time, tight end it does typically take a couple of years before they're able to adjust to the NFL game and everything like that. So I can understand the need for a veteran. But there was also a lot of talent left on the free agent market when they brought Jeff Hireman back that I think that they probably could have been had at least for a similar price and upgrade the position or even cheaper and still upgrade the position. So it just kind of comes from the standpoint of the other tight ends available in free agency and the draft and giving Hireman the deal they did. To me, that screams that Denver settled at tight end instead of trying to upgrade the position. And that, that's the exact same point I made on last week's podcast. It was bad enough they brought back a talent like Hireman. It was worse that they handed him $9 million with someone like Jared Cook on the market if they wanted a, a pass-catching tight end. Um, Eric, though, do you think do you think that they're completely out of tight end in round one, or do you think they're going to um, still pursue that, uh, you know, that position early on the draft? I still think that it'll be early on. With how they structured Jeff Hireman's deal, talking, going back to talking about structure, is they can easily get out of his deal after this year. They can get out of his deal before even the start of the regular season. They It's only $2 million dead money if they want to get out of it, which isn't ideal to eat this year. But if you want to move on, if he gets hurt, or if he's just not performing to where you set the standards, then you can eat that money and do that. So there's th- they still have the versatility there with his deal. And because of that, because of the health concerns with him, with Jake Butt and Troy Fumagalli, I definitely think that tight end is still on the board and early. There's so many tight ends in this class that can go early. Uh, Hawkinson, Fant, Herb Smith Jr., Dawson Knox, Caden Smith, Jay Sternberger, Josh Oliver, Elise Mack. I can go on and on. There's a lot of talent in this year's tight end class that will be there in the second, third, and even fourth round that Denver can take and help their tight end room. The Broncos are bringing in Josh Oliver. I, I know what your thoughts are on Oliver just based on the content you've published on the website. But for our listeners, the Broncos are, from what it sounds like, they're going to bring him in for a, a team facility visit, one of those 30 allotted visits to Dub Valley between now and the draft. What are your thoughts on the San Jose State kid? I really love it. As soon as I saw that he was coming in for a visit, I tweeted out that I would absolutely love if Denver picked him up. I love his ability. 
the his ability to stretch the seam and just go up and make contested catches and just his ability overall as a receiver. I mean, you want to clean up his route running a little bit, make them more crisp and clean, but there's just so much athletic ability there, and he's a team leader. He always strives to improve himself and make sure everyone around him is constantly striving to improve themselves. He's that guy that you just kind of, you just kind of want because of his leadership qualities. But there is a concern about his blocking. It's not bad. It's just it is what it is. I don't see much room for growth there. He's more of an effort blocker than an actual good blocker. So Denver, they kind of want a guy who can block. Maybe they hope, think that they can improve his ability there, which is always possible. Players always improve things that I don't think they possibly have much room for growth in. Part of the benefit of being at home and not working in the NFL. But uh, with Oliver, again, it's just he brings that athletic seam stretcher that Denver just they don't have. Jake Butt, he's not that guy. He's not overly athletic. Jeff Hireman, he's not overly overly athletic. Troy Fumagalli, he's not overly athletic. They don't have that athletic threat at tight end that can really stretch the seam and clear out the middle of the defense. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like an Evan Ingram light. He is. He's, there's a little bit more there as a blocker than Evan Ingram and a little bit more size and bulk, but there is similarities there to Evan Ingram or even Julius Thomas. Though there is a tight end in this draft that I think is an basically a clone of Julius Thomas. But I could definitely see the similarities to Evan Ingram, Julius Thomas, these guys who are receiving threats that the blocking just isn't quite there. I just wonder if they use an early round pick on Hawkinson, let's say, and they have four tight ends, who goes? They're not going to carry all four. I mean, what do you think about that? I wouldn't be surprised if they take all, if they keep all four. And if they do, or if they decide they don't want to, then that's a possibility where Jeff Hardman is the one who's out. Right. Or maybe Jake Butt at this point, because he hasn't shown the ability to stay on the field, maybe they decide to try to move him. I don't think that Troy Fumagalli would be the odd man out. They haven't had a chance to really see anything from him yet. So it would definitely be Jake Butt or Jeff Hardman. But again, I wouldn't rule out them keeping four tight ends. This is the offense that they're running is going to be pretty heavy on tight ends. And with the health concerns that you have, then I could definitely see it. And who knows, maybe Jake Butter, Troy Fumagalli, or Jeff Hireman get hurt again because, as we all know, they have that issue. <laughs> okay, I got one more for you, Eric, and it's a two-parter. So Broncos holding the, the number 10 pick in the draft. What is your best-case scenario for Denver at pick 10? And then what's the nightmare scenario for the Broncos in the first round? My best-case scenario would be Quinnen Williams being there at 10. This is a guy who there are concerns about him keeping his weight on, but you can plug him in at that nose tackle and get a very similar but better results than you'd get with Shelby Harris because of how quick Quinnen Williams is, how well he uses leverage against offensive linemen. And pairing him with with Shelby Go- uh, Shelby Harris, Adam Godsis, Derek Wolf beside him as those four or five techs, then you have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb outside. That is a hard front to do anything against, especially pass, because there is – you have that interior pass rusher now with Quinnen Williams. You have Shelby Harris, who we've all seen his with his ability to get after the quarterback. Derek Wolf, maybe he's able to re-emerge as a pass rusher. Then, of course, the edge guys, everybody knows about them. As for a nightmare scenario, it would be Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Kyler Murray. They're all gone. Quinnen Williams, Ed Oliver, even though I do have questions about his fit, they're all gone. Devin Bush, Devin White, they're both gone. It just becomes... What do you do? Do you reach for an offensive tackle? Because at this point, 
the two tackles that I think are worth a pick at that point, they aren't the best fits. Cody Ford and Jawan Taylor both have movement concerns that just don't translate to his own scheme. Do you reach, go early for a guard like Chris Lindstrom, who is a great fit? Do you go get that center, which the position value is just not there with Garrett Bradbury, who's a perfect fit? Do you take a tight end, which we've talked about at that point? I think it's a little bit early. Do you take DK Metcalf, who at this point is just kind of a deep threat and hope that you're able to develop him and get that deep threat? Do you go and get yet another early pass rusher and just let them go after the quarterback? Or do you go corner early? Do you go get Grady Williams, Byron Murphy? There's a lot of options there for Denver, but none of them just are great value for Denver at pick 10. The two best guys are those two tackles that just don't fit the scheme very well. So that's my nightmare scenario. So many, ta- so much talent there, just not the positional value or the scheme fit or anything like that that fits with Denver. All right. You heard it here first from Eric Trickle. Find him on Twitter at Eric Trickle. That's Eric with a C-K, Trickle, T-R-I-C-K-E-L. Eric, thanks for joining us. It's been a few weeks since we were able to get you on, so thanks for making some time for us here today. It's no problem. I always enjoy being on. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find Zach on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Again, make sure you're following Eric on Twitter. Drops phenomenal amounts of, of analysis and some news on the Broncos, and then especially as it relates to the draft, at Eric Trickle. Do your duty. Make sure you leave that creative review. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Zach and I will be back in the saddle on Tuesday for another fresh episode, breaking down the latest as it relates to your Denver Broncos. In the meantime, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.